You found something. You found the Rebel Base Card Podcast. What a piece of junk. I'm your host, Greg McLaughlin. Just as clumsy as he is stupid. Join me as we discuss Star Wars trading cards and card collecting. We need a statement, not a manifesto. We'll talk about sets from the original vintage. No, no, the one I'm pointing to. All the way to current releases. This? Yes. All right, let's get started. How's everyone doing? Welcome back. Or welcome, if this is your first episode. Big show tonight. And I'm happy we have a lot of people on as we talk about the experience of Joliet Star Wars Day that happened over the weekend. I'm also happy about the reception to last episode. We had Curtis from Star Wars Poetry. It turned out to be a turned out to be a great episode. If you haven't caught it yet, I, I recommend go back and listen to it. Uh, but I've been very, very happy to reception. A lot of good vibes come from that. Uh, we have a ton of people on the podcast tonight, and I'm just going to go down through the list. I almost feel like I'm doing the notes as I'm doing this intro. Uh, but people you'll be hearing from tonight, uh, artist Mikey Bibensky uh, was going to talk a little bit about sort of the artist prep tonight. I'd had a little bit of uh, his interview left over from last episode, and I thought it was pertinent to to, uh, to getting into the flavor of Juliet Star Wars Day. Uh, we have Don West of Veteran Garage Props. Uh, we did get a chance to talk to Don because he was behind this big Rogue One tank that was also at Celebration but was in this Joliet Star Wars Day Parade, and it really was awesome. Uh, we have a contributor to Fanta Tracks, Daniel Lowe, who stopped by uh, and talked with us for a little bit. Uh, you can find him at uh, White Boba Fett. He is a collector of White Boba Fett things. Megan Cullinan, also of Fanta Tracks and the Spark of Hope podcast, dropped by to talk about her podcast and her mission, and I think you'll find that very encouraging. Uh, friend of the show, Josh Burling from Consume the Canon. We are at the halfway point of his project to consume all the canon before Episode 9. So he dropped by to give us an update of what's going on. And then lastly, Tom Gross of Coffee with Kenobi. He's the one I met down there. We did a little uh, card trading, uh, but we get his thoughts on the Joliet Star Wars Day since it was his and my first time there. To give you an idea of what Joliet Star Wars Day is all about, let me just kind of frame this up. Uh, like I said, this was Saturday, June 1st, 11 to 4. It was kind of put on by the Joliet Public Library, and they had a large list of people, and you could tell because it seemed like the whole community was involved. Uh, there was the Friends of the Joliet Public Library, the Joliet Area Historical Museum, the City of Joliet, the Rialto Theater, the Joliet Slammers, the Heritage Corridor, and the Joliet City Center Partnership. And you could tell this was a group event just because they had part of the streets blocked off. There were live bands. There were food trucks. There was a parade that took place that had members of the 501st, the Rebel Legion, Mando Mercs, other little groups, there was so there was so many people there in cosplay. It was awesome. Also, you had a really great artist and author alley, and I'll just go down this uh, just briefly. Mikey Babinski, as I said, was there. Jamie Snell was there. Dave Dorman was there. Steve Palanica was there. James Tampa was there. Uh, two authors, John Jackson Miller. You might have heard him from A New Dawn as well as a lot of other books. And author Keith Capel was there. The first I had actually heard of Joliet Star Wars Day was from Dave Dorman himself when I met him at C2E2. And he had kind of pointed me over to, they had a booth about two clicks down, and it sounded like it was going to be a good time. It's, uh, Joliet Star Wars Day is one of the largest 
public library shows in the country. Uh, I think you heard Mikey Babinski, if you heard his interview, we did a couple episodes back, talk about it and what he was doing for to prep for it. Uh, but I think it was one of those where I didn't quite know what I was going to expect when I got down there. I had talked to a couple of folks. Uh, I talked to Tom. I talked to Josh and I even talked to Daniel like, hey, I'm going to go down there. If you're in the area, why don't you come on down and let's just see what's going on down there. It looked like it was going to be a rainout. Um, although there were a lot of activities inside the Joliet Public Library and the Rialto rain, it seemed like it was going to be threatening, and so we weren't quite sure how long we were going to be outside, but the rain held up, and so the parade got in. I know they did some other uh, demonstrations that uh, Tom will talk about a little more later in the podcast, but it seemed like everybody had a good time, and once the parade kind of got done, because I got there just right before, parked the car, got out, uh, met Tom and his uh, daughter, and we... Uh, stayed and watched the parade. It was oh, maybe lasted for about 20 minutes or so, but once we kind of got through there, everything just kind of turned to the inside. I think the 501st, the Rebel Legion, and some other folks I know, uh, A. Tom Rain from Galact uh, Civilized Galactic Gear, uh, I think they were all down at the Rialto showing off their wares. We, we kind of made it uh, inside the library. We kind of hit Artist Alley at the beginning. Uh, it was super packed. They had games uh, for kids going on downstairs, and then upstairs they had Artist and Author Alley. And so we got up there and kind of got in line, uh, got some autographs from folks. Uh, they, the artists were really slammed. I know we weren't really going to really talk to them too much during the actual show itself. Once we kind of got done and we kind of seen what we kind of want to see, we did, like I said, we missed a, a lot of it. We decided, hey, we're going to grab something to eat. We'll come back and we'll do a little card trading, which was sort of our, our angle of the night. So we got our cards and went back and kind of found a table and kind of had at it. Tom Gross brought his binders, I brought my duplicates, and we spent uh, a good chunk of that time just kind of going back and forth trying to figure out who needed what from either collection. It was really awesome. And then that's actually when we started seeing people come over. Uh, Daniel Lowe from Fanthatrax uh, came over and had kind of had met each of us uh, online or at, in person at Celebration individually, and we kind of got to talking a little bit. Josh came over, and I was able to get a quick update on, on his project. And then um, Daniel had brought over Megan Cullinan, got to find out about her projects going on. So it was kind of nice where we just kind of kept uh, stayed in one place basically for, for the rest of the afternoon, and, and people kind of came to us. And it seemed like, you know, you had these people that didn't really quite know each other as good as they probably could have, but it just seemed like we had nothing but uh, Star Wars to talk about, and everybody had a good time from there. We'll get back to talking about Joliet Star Wars Day in a minute, but I did want to kind of catch folks up on uh, the collection so far. I know that we, you have been following my progress if you've been listening to other episodes. Talk about collecting the Resistance card set that's out right now that you can find at your local Target or Walmart. This is a retail-only set. I've got about... I'm down to less than 20 cards I need for the base set and just maybe a couple other foil inserts. So at this point, I'm not going to be buying too much more off of the retail shelf because that's only going to probably increase the number of dupl duplicates I have. So I'll be, probably be looking for some trading partners there or maybe picking up some of these off of eBay or whatnot uh, to kind of complete that set. Once you kind of get too far, and I think we kind of learned our lessons, you know, from getting jumping back in with some of these retail and hobby sets where if you start getting box after box, at a certain point you'll start really stacking up the duplicates when you start getting down to, like, needing not that many. You know, you'll, you'll 
end up buying more than you need and you'll end up getting a lot more cards. So you kind of have to get to a point where you, you know, it, you kind of have to stop buying in bulk and then kind of have to start picking it off piece by piece or, like I said, find a trading partner there. We know that we have, in July, we have the Chrome coming out. So really in between now and Chrome, if I decide to jump in on Chrome, I have kind of been, you know, finding some side projects to work on. I, I did get off of eBay a great deal on an Attack of the Clones sealed box. Not the wide vision. This is just the regular movie cards. Kind of got it out of steel, and I had got it with all intentions of opening it. But once I got it, I was like, nah, it's actually, I kind of like this. And, I, and uh, I may just end up just buying the physical set that's already put together and maybe just holding on to this one. I know I said I wanted to crack this, but... You know, when you kind of look at it and you go, ah, maybe I'll just leave it alone. Um, also, after seeing some of these Galaxy 94 and 95 cards, you know, I already have that one box of Galaxy 93, which I am going to open. Now I'm sort of interested in kind of grabbing the next two. Um, that, that set, when it was released in 93, was very popular, and so two series came pretty much right on the heels of it. And so I might be trying to put those two together. Daniel had brought some of those Galaxy 94 and 95 cards to, to give to us, and there was a Dave Dorman in there, and I was actually like, hey, I'm going to go over uh, and get Dave to sign this while he's here. And it's sort of weird while you're in the middle of card trading, and all of a sudden you're like, hey, I've actually got this card. I've got the guy who did the artwork for this card. Let me go get his autograph. That was very cool, and uh, you'll see that if you go to the Instagram site, you'll you'll see that autograph on there. Uh, it was really, really pretty. So at any rate, that's kind of what things are going right now. I did get also some Tops Attacks cards uh, through eBay as well. I got some for Rogue One and for Rebels. Uh, this was a nice sort of collector's starter set that had the... You have like a little mini binder in there. And what's actually nice is they actually got the inserts for these binders, which could probably go into a regular binder as well, uh, front and back. That was almost kind of worth it alone. There was uh, maybe like eight or nine cards in a special foil. Uh, Tops Attacks is a game you'll see here in the U.S. You'll see, I think, the soccer attacks. And in years past, you have seen baseball. But the Star Wars attacks are a non-U.S. property. And that makes them a little hard to get. And I, and I think I'm going to try to maybe put together some of these because the cards are pretty cool. And it's one of those where, you know, once it's something you can't have, then you start going, well, now maybe I want it. So those are sort of some of the projects I'm kind of working on. As we kind of get into the summer months, we are a ways from some of these sets. Like I said, Chrome in July. We have the Skywalker Saga coming out in August. I will put in the show notes the uh, Tops calendar as you see it from Cardboard Connections, which if you aren't on there, they are such a great resource uh, to kind of keep an eye on things. So we know we're, we've got that major journey to the rise of Skywalker coming later this year. That's going to be a big one, and we're going to be talking about it a lot as, the, as we get into the fall and we get ready for Episode 9. I wanted to get into the interviews that we did tonight. We had a lot of people we had a chance to talk to, some about Joliet Star Wars Day and some just because there were people there. I think the first person I wanted to kind of bring back on was some of the unused interview I did with Mikey Babinski as it kind of talked about what as an artist or as a presenter at one of these cons or events, what do you bring with you? How much do you charge? How do you know what to, you know, like what makes a good con or not? And I thought that was kind of pertinent as we get into uh, the rest of Joliet Star Wars Day. So here's Mikey Babinski. Um, I've been doing this so long that I just have my stuff that I bring. But in the beginning, it was it was difficult to, you know, 
do I do I make prints? Do I do I bring artwork? You know, my first show I ever had, I had like one print. That was it. And that, you know, that's all I had. And other people had lots of stuff, and I was just looking at what other people had and what I could, what I was capable of. And and once I started working professionally, then it got a lot easier because I had books I could promote and uh, projects I could talk about. They they started inviting me to do panels at shows, um, and that was a lot of fun. So just doing it over and over and over again gives me an idea of the variety of things I should bring and what I shouldn't bring and you know because it got to a point where I was bringing too much it was sitting at my table taking it down was just backbreaking. I want to ask not getting into specific pricing but how do you sort of gauge I mean you've been doing this a little bit but how do you gauge what do you charge for and what gets charged and what gets given away? It's pretty much comes out of time if the longer something takes, it, it's it's going to cost probably more. The easier something is, it's going to be less. It's it, it's all about time. Do you find one character or one franchise sells better or gets more play than another one? I think it depends on who you are. Um, for me, Star Wars has always been my go-to. It's always been my passion anyway. Um, but there are definitely people associated with certain properties where they they will make they will they will live off that property their life and. Um, just because they're so associated with it. Especially if they're a creator of it or co-creator or they worked on the first incarnation of it, they're always going to be associated with that. And I, for me, it's just been Star Wars. I'm always, even though I work in comics, I, I'm associated as being a Star Wars guy. Because I was Star Wars before that, during that, after that. And how do you really gauge uh, if a con is successful or not? Uh, you know, I'm not one of those people who have a number in my head that I have to make this much money or it's a bad show. I just, I look to see if I enjoy the show. I, I, I like having people around that I know that I, that I don't see all the time. So it's, it's you know, part of the show is, uh, is, is seeing people you don't see. Because our jobs are very time consuming. We stay at home. At best, we Skype with each other or talk on the phone. But, you know, interacting when we actually can be casual and we're not under deadline uh, is a lot of fun. And so a lot of times, just getting out of the house and getting away from the, the, the work doesn't seem to end sometimes because the hours, you know, I, there, there are pages I spend three hours on. There's, page, there's one page that took me two and a half days. So there's, there's some projects that just don't seem like they end. And so when you go to a con, you know that's like, oh, vacation. You know, it's almost like, so for me, just getting out of the house and being at a show is usually, I, I can't think of a bad show, you know. I can't. Like I said, I had gotten there right before the parade started, and it was an amazing parade. I was able to kind of throw it on Instagram live. At the end of the parade, this enormous Rogue One tank was coming down the street, and it just sort of blew us away. And so as Tom and I were sort of milling around afterwards, we caught up with uh, the guy who was behind the tank, and he was kind enough to give us an interview. We're standing next to this very large and awesome Rogue One tank. Can you tell me a little bit about how it came together? Sure. Um, I'm an, uh, I've been in the Army for 25 years, retired. I was a tanker. I was building twin speeder bikes at the time the Rogue One trailer came out. And I saw the tank and I said, we're building the tank. And everybody looked at me like I was nuts. So that was the start of it. Uh, for six months, I spent time online trying to get the schematics done. Uh, I had to build it myself because there were none at the time. And uh, from there, we got a donation of a vehicle from Arts, uh, Arts for a Cause out in uh, another nonprofit out in Kentucky. Unfortunately, that car couldn't work for us, so we had to trade it in. We got a Mercury Grand Marquis, uh, which is currently what the chassis is for this vehicle and what drives it. We cut it up pretty good, welded a steel frame around it, threw some plywood, and uh, built the side bots out of foam and plastic. 
So would you say this is, as far as the chassis itself, is it heavier or lighter? How did the weight kind of come into it when you're building this? Right, with the, all the stuff that we had to take off of the vehicle, I mean, we literally had to cut the, um, the roll cage off of it and everything. So we, we balanced it out to where she's, he's close to uh, almost 3,000 pounds. So well within the limits of the, the vehicle and the frame that we put in there and to be able to carry people, so. What were some of the other things you ran into while you were building this that, you know, obviously you're doing this from scratch, you said there wasn't anything. Yeah. What were some of the things that you came and go, oh my gosh, how are we gonna come over? Uh, the welding. Uh, <laughs> none of us, I, again, I was a, a tanker for 25 years. All I've ever known was how to break things. Uh, so when it came to actually starting to build large props, I had to learn on the go and I, I basically over-engineered everything. So I had to learn to weld. I had to learn to disassemble you know, automotive components without, you know, while ensuring that it still worked. Because <laughs> you start cutting wires here and there, and you don't know what you're cutting. Next thing you know, your vehicle doesn't start. So that was one of the last things we wanted to do. Um, somehow or another, the air conditioner still works. <laughs> so that's a bonus. <laughs> well, how many parades has this tank been in? This is the fourth one. Twice the Joliet, once in uh, Louisville, and another, which uh, the one in Louisville is the Pegasus Parade which kicks off the Derby. Um, and then we also did the Lexington 4th of July Parade uh, on Lexington, Kentucky, and then Joliet twice. So I'm trying to keep it out of the summer months because hot, uh, the, the sun and plastic just doesn't mix. It likes to warp it and bend it. Well, what about the, uh, what about water and rain? How does, does that, does that have an impact on the paint or? No, not at all. Uh, it has uh, four coats of uh, deck paint on there. So uh, even, the wood that we use on here that, that wasn't treated for outdoors was protected by it because we coated both sides. So yeah, we, we wanted to make sure it lasted for a while. What's it like doing parades? And Can you see the reactions you're getting or are you kind of stuck inside? Oh no, I can see the reactions. My head's out of the hatch when I drive. So it's, uh, when I designed it, I wanted to ensure that I was sitting correctly in the driver's position of the tank where it's located in the movie uh, and on the actual vehicle itself. So. After some finagling around, I just basically came to the conclusion that all I had to do was elevate a seat, put some foot pedal extensions on, and I could sit on it and literally put my hands on the steering wheel right about waist level so I could still have my head out the hatch while I drive. It's, I don't know how, but this thing came together well. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not a welder, I'm not an electrician, not a car <laughs> carpenter by trade whatsoever. So, I, and that's what I use to tell people, you know, if there's something you want to do, just do it. If you do it wrong, that's okay, you just learn from your mistakes and you try to do better from there. I believe there were a lot of mistakes that I <laughs> And just about the affiliations you're with, you're with the, I'm assuming you're with the 501st, yes? I'm also with the 501st, yes. Uh, whenever we bring Phil out, uh, we're represented by my uh, uh, nonprofit out in um, Kentucky called Veteran Garage Props. And we collect donations directly for Norton Children's Hospital up in Louisville, Kentucky in honor of a young boy named Phil Parks who passed away in 2006. So, and he was a huge inspiration to us to, to build props, huge inspiration to us to continue living and loving Star Wars. So, and um, his memory is with us every day because we've also named the tank after Phil. Oh, that's awesome. And if someone wants to find out more about what you guys do? We have an Instagram, uh, Veteran Garage Props on Instagram.com. And um, along with that, we've also created a, a fan film 50 minutes long and it's called uh, Star Wars Hand of the Empire and everything for that film was also benefiting Norton Children's Hospital.
So we, as much as deep in the hole as I am building this tank, <laughs> nothing we collect goes back to us. So, and that's why we did it, you know, or else why do it? And what's next for you guys? Oh, there, there is uh, something we have in mind, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, we want to try to build a full-scale Death Star cannon. Uh, the ones, if you've watched A New Hope, the ones when they're coming, the X-Wings are coming down the trench, right. and then they pan to the inside of the Death Star, you've got the gunners sitting on this huge black gun that's traversing and shooting. We want to build that next. Oh my goodness. So, full-scale, too. I don't try to, after building a half-scale ATST, two full-scale speeder bikes, almost a full-scale indoor bunker wall. I, I don't know if I could ever build anything minimal scale again. You know? <laughs> just, just something about it. Yes, exactly. If you're going to build it, might as well make it to scale. Well, Don, thank you very much for taking some time with me, no and problem. thank you for your service. All right? You're welcome. Thank you, sir. Take care. Right. Have a good one. One of the things about this community you'll kind of start to find is that when you are interacting with folks that you'll find that are in your general area, a lot of times you kind of give each other tips on what's going on or hey if you're in your area come down and that was the case with daniel lowe who writes for uh, fanta tracks and also has a really nice white boba fett collection and so what um what brought you to joliet star wars today oh uh i've never been here before and i've heard about it for years and years and i finally decided to check it out uh partially because you're here actually what have you seen so far and tell me your impressions of it so far uh, not a whole lot. I got a really good parking spot and I walked straight into the library. Uh, I saw some kids activities downstairs, which seemed pretty cool. And I looked out the window and I saw the uh, hover tank from Rogue One off in the distance. Um, that's kind of about it so far. What'd you think of that tank? It's cool. I saw it at a Star Wars celebration up close. So yeah, I, I just learned not too long ago from uh, Tom Gross that there's a real functional car underneath. And that, that was new to me. I didn't know that. You said you also went to Celebration. Did you go to all days or did you just go to one day? Yeah, I went for uh, the two setup days beforehand and then all five days afterwards. And what was your impressions of Celebration? It's crazy. You know, it's not the biggest convention out there, but it's, it's impressive because it's all one fandom. It's all, it's all about one thing. In comparing uh, Joliet Star Wars Day to Celebration, just in, in our experience just like right here, isn't it kind of nice you have these sort of vibes where it's like this community where we just can, right? Where you just can kind of just get to know people and, and meet? Yeah, I think that's a similarity. You know, you just kind of show up, whether it's Star Wars Celebration or Star Wars Days, and you automatically have a lot of common ground with everybody in the room. Tell me a little bit about your handle on Instagram is, you said, White Boba Fett? Yeah, White Boba Fett. And what is your kind of your passion and your angle when you, when you talk about that? I just think it's really interesting that there is a concept slash prototype of a character that's so well known and they've made so many official collectibles for um you don't really see that a whole lot you know like there's a lot of iconic characters out there across many different fandoms obviously but if you ask anyone what does that concept drawing look like or what does that prototype look like most people don't know but with Boba Fett not only do you know there's a lot of official collectibles made of him and how long have you been collecting the white Boba Fett's since about mid-2016 is when I started the project. And what do you have in your collection? Not a whole lot, to be honest. Um, I have a few of the minifigures, uh, Lego minifigures. Um, the, the craziest thing I have is actually a Ralph and Corey autographed 
print of two of his concept drawings. Uh, it's framed and it's up on my wall right now. How did you get that? Uh, the guys who run uh, Ralph McCory Archives offered it to me. Um, they they were getting rid of it from their collection and they asked me for uh, if I was interested in buying it. So so I did. <laughs> Is a convention something you normally do, or do you have things coming up you're gonna you're gonna attend? Um, mainly Star Wars Celebration. Um, I like that the most. Uh, I am going to San Diego Comic Con, but there's not a whole lot of Star Wars there these years. Alrighty, and if someone wants to find you on the uh, on the socials, where would they come look? Uh, my handle is White Boba Fett on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Cool. Thank you for taking a little time with me today. All right, thank you. I think the longer I do this, the more I find everyone is sort of like a connection from somebody to somebody to somebody, so it's sort of like six degrees of separation. About halfway through, as we were kind of trading cards back and forth, Daniel introduced me to another writer for Fanthatrax and quite an inspirational story that she had. Hi, I am Megan Cullinan, and I have a podcast called the Spark of Hope podcast based on the fact that I am a cancer survivor and a Star Wars fan. Tell me, obviously one thing came where you weren't expecting, but talk about how that kind of evolved. So I was diagnosed about two and a half years ago, the end of 2016, um, with breast cancer, and it was very surprising. I was 35, not something that was uh, something in my family, so it came as a, a pretty big shock. Um, fortunately, I was in an early stage. Unfortunately, I had to go through chemo, had surgery, went through radiation, sort of the whole gamut, a year of treatment. Um, and then after that, I was like, okay, I sort of have this new purpose in life and Star Wars really helped me get, get through that time in my life and that's how I decided to start a podcast. And talk about some of the things, talk about the podcast, how it's evolved and what are you doing with it? So right now um, my goal is to give a voice to people who've been through really difficult things in their life like cancer or um, uh, death in the family. I, had a, I interviewed my friend Sandra who had lost her mother um, a couple years ago. And so, so far I've done about five or six episodes. I'm also, I've also had some people um, write blogs for my website as well, just to get um, their stories out there, how they got through that really difficult time in their life and how Star Wars helped them get through it. What are some of the things you've discovered so far in this journey? That there are a lot of really strong people out there that have been through really incredible things. Um, that are people to really look towards for strength and love and hope and I, I feel those are the core values of Star Wars and that's what I found in those people that I've talked to and it's made so many connections for me I've met so many people who are cancer survivors that I you know I didn't know how many of us were out there um, that were also big Star Wars fans so it's been really really great experience meeting everyone and if somebody wants to find you and connect, how can they do that? Um, they can find my podcast at Spark of Hope Pod on Twitter, and I have a website, Spark of Hope Podcast. Wait, no, Spark of Hope Podcast.com. <laughs> I didn't think about that. Chemo brain. Um, and then my personal um, Instagram and Twitter is Meg Z Cole. Excellent. Thank you very much for talking to me today. Thank you so much. Josh Burling from Consume the Canon, friend of the show. We had met at Celebration, and uh, you had heard him on a few episodes back talk about his project to consume all the canon 
between basically January and the time episode nine comes out in December. Uh, he was nice enough to give me sort of a mid-year report on his project. I know that you have been burning the midnight oil, uh, consuming all the cannon. Yes. Tell me where you're at at this very moment. I am at almost exactly 50% right now. Uh, so, which weirdly coincidentally is a new hope pretty much. Um, that's like right in the middle of the cannon, so um, which is kind of neat. But yeah, I'm at 50.05%, and I'm about halfway through the uh, uh, from a certain point of view short story collection. So that's like right where I am right now. So all that stuff that's all happening right at the same time as A New Hope. And I wanted to ask, um, and speaking of a certain point of view, are you still finding that you're getting enjoyment out of this, or is it becoming more work? Uh, I'm getting enjoyment out of it, yes, uh, because a lot of this stuff is really new to me. There's so many little nooks and crannies in the canon that I just never was exposed to, so I'm really, really liking it. Plus, I can count on one hand the number of things that I haven't enjoyed of the 535 items, I think it is, that I have consumed to this point. Um, so I'm still finding it super enjoyable. How are you finding yourself as far as pace now? We are getting into, we're getting into June. You said you bought the 50% mark. Yep. Do you see yourself still on pace? Yeah, I'm still on pace. Uh, right now I'm targeting the end of November, early December, which is good because as we all know, there's going to be tons of stuff that Disney's going to put out between now and Christmas that they haven't even announced yet. So I'm keeping track of all the things they have announced, but I'm sure there's going to be two or three more novels, there's going to be a comic series, there's going to be tons of stuff like that, so I have to leave Buffer in there. But right now it looks like I'm, I'm keeping a good pace and I should be hitting right around mid-December when I finish up. And how, as far as keeping up with the socials, how you been doing as far as your YouTubing and things like that? Yeah, the YouTubing stuff has fallen off, unfortunately. Um, I've been busy at work, and like I said, this isn't my job. <laughs> I wish it was, but it's not. Um, so that's fallen off. Uh, I'm trying to keep up with, you know, I'm keeping up with Instagram. I'm, I'm keeping the posts there. I'm, of course, keeping up with the spreadsheet. The spreadsheet is, you know, I'm obsessed life. with. It is life. Spreadsheet is life. Um, but, you know, those things are being kept up. And so I'm still keeping a pretty consistent track of where I am in those channels. Um, you know, and I'll be looking to maybe expand to other stuff as the year goes on and I start getting closer to the end. And then are you planning on anything for the end? Or have you thought about what you're going to do? I don't know. I'm not sure. I have a, a friend of mine who uh, runs a bar in Chicago. I was thinking maybe I could like hook up with him and maybe do some stuff like right at the end to kind of celebrate the last couple of things that I'm doing. I want to try and do something with the short story Wills, which takes place, you know, way, 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 way in the future. Um, so that's officially the end of the canon. It's about the Wills writing the story of Star Wars. Um, so that is the last thing that I actually have to do in the Consume the Canon. So it's after the last Je or the, the Rise of Skywalker. So I might try and do something with that, like a live reading of that short story or something. But um, I want to try and do something. I haven't figured it out yet. But if you follow me on Instagram, I will definitely announce it there. And for people trying to follow your progress or lack of thereof, where can they reach you? Uh, they can find me on Consume the Canon on Twitter and on Instagram primarily. And then also on Instagram, that's where I get the link to the fabled spreadsheet where I'm tracking every single item in the Canon, which right now is 1,065 items, I believe. And I'll be through every single one of those by 
the rise of Skywalker. Good luck, and I will be checking with you later on here to see how you're doing. Thanks, man. So as things were winding down, Tom and I convened outside the library to kind of go over our thoughts of what had happened during the day and what we thought of the whole show in general. Well, first of all, I, the fact that this is put on by a public library, to me, right at the start, that, that makes it superior, of course, because I love libraries. But uh, I have to say, this was a fun event. Um, I love the way they started, kick it off with a nice parade down the street that actually does a couple of things logistically. First of all, it gets everyone excited right from the get-go. Um, you see all the cosplayers, you see all the fun stuff come down the street. But second, logistically, it connects all of the different venues that they use. They use the public library, they use the museum, which is where the uh, parade started, was over at the museum. Then it comes down through the library, ends at the Rialto, which is their third venue. And so that parade route sort of connects it all together which I thought was really kind of genius whether it was consciously done that way or not I think it was really neat um, but you know anytime you get a bunch of cosplayers together uh, the 501st the Rebel Legion the Mandalorian Mercs it's gonna be a good fun time so out on the street with all of them that was cool uh, another nice uh, piece to this was they had the food trucks uh, along the side of the library they had live bands uh, at the corner shut down the streets for that um, that added to a nice festive uh, atmosphere and then we all we didn't now we never made it down to the Rialto or to the museum but we just went into the library and uh, and they had all the artists there um, along with uh, John Jackson Miller the author of A New Dawn and uh, Kenobi and, and some other uh, material books um, and they had games downstairs for kids to play uh, it was great this is exact I mean it's exactly what I expected but on a little bit bigger scale and I think you're talking about like the impact it has on the community. Like when we were eating lunch across the street, even at a restaurant, restaurants here had you know they either they had a menu or they were all wearing Star Wars shirts. So this seems like it was a like a group effort by the community to put this together. Yeah, um, you know we were approached on the, on the sidewalk by that uh, was it a uh, I think it was a Mexican, a Mexican restaurant. restaurant that had a Star Wars menu today and, and things like that. And then we ended up at a, a diner. And I was talking to the uh, the cashier up there, just asking her you know, how business was for the day. And she, and she stopped and she looked at me and she said, this is our biggest day of the year. And hey, you know, I'm not surprised. It's Star Wars, you know, it's a downtown area. It's a fun spot. So yeah, good for the community. Um, you know, and just looking around during the parade and even in the library, a lot of community members in there that probably weren't there for Star Wars, but they're experiencing all of that. And they're experiencing that that positive vibe that I always feel Star Wars fans bring to uh, to these events. So yeah, that was a lot of fun. Now I know this was spearheaded by the Joliet Public Library, but I'm also wondering, you know, can this be sort of a two-edged sword where, you know, this can kind of become greater than the message? How do you think as a librarian, how do you think, how do you think this all kind of wraps together or can you stay on top of it? Well, one of, one of the goals of a library is always is to involve community. And so this type of event is, is just perfect for that because, like we mentioned, the local vendors that are around the, li or around the library, um, you know, the library always likes to make connections with other uh, entities of the community, such as the museum that's uh, down the block and a theater like the Rialto. And so this totally meets the goals of a library in, in involving community. Now, you mentioned the idea, you know, how big can it get? Can it get too big? Uh, something like that. And I would say, I mean, sure, there are probably some moments when, you know, an event can get too large, but they've got this put together and they, their location in this downtown center, 
I don't know that it, I, I don't know that it could get too big. You know, they've got they've got three streets blocked off, a huge parking lot and courtyard across the street from them. Um, clearly, they have the support of the police and the city um, and the surrounding uh, community. Uh, I see a you know a dress store, a chop house, a, a suit tailor shop here, just to where we're standing. You know, while they may not have been directly involved, you know, I mean, they got looks and they got you know that kind of thing. So I think in in the position they're in here in Joliet. I don't see that this could get too big. In fact, I'd love to see them uh, even try to draw in uh, more of the entity from down here, like the park district or maybe some other uh, areas. What were some of the highlights as far as you today and uh, what, did, what did you pick up? Yeah, well, uh, one of the highlights, well, probably the best highlight of the day was getting to meet you and hanging out and we did some card trading and, and a lot of just conversation about Star Wars and other things. Our daughters got to hang out together and become friends. So that 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 just tops to me. And you know what? That's what Star Wars is all about, is building these communities, building relationships, making connections. Um, but as far as the event itself, the parade was so much fun. I, I thought the, the parade was genius. Um, I wish my Star Wars event could include a parade like that, but I don't know that I could pull that off but that was so much fun and the fact that they brought oh, they brought in uh, the gentleman from uh, Kentucky who brought the the hover tank from Rogue One oh that was sweet um, inside the library um, now this is it this is not a criticism of Joliet Public Library or anything I thought that that space was a little tough you know you're dealing with the stacks of books and uh, and kind of maneuvering some tight spaces in that location um, I think if it gets any bigger, they're going to need to find different venues for some of those things. And maybe their plan was outdoors. We were, we were forecasted for severe weather today, so maybe some of that was inside that was intended to be outside. Um, but, jeez, uh, I got to rambling and I forgot what your question was now. <laughs> no, but you were, we were talking about some of the highlights for today, some oh, of the yeah. people, some of the artists, but also just some of the fans that we met who had gone to Celebration or like, oh, hey, let me introduce you to this and this. So I think that was a nice highlight today. That was. And uh, you mentioned the artists and uh, and uh, uh, John Jackson Miller, our author. Where else can you go? I mean, if, if we would have tried to catch up with those artists and, and Miller at Celebration, we'd have stood in, hours, in line for hours. Here in a venue like this, it's a little bit more local. You know, we got we got up to those artists and and in, in a matter of minutes and we we're able to have conversation with them and step back behind and take a photo with them and it's just you know it's a lot more relaxed environment and that's what I love about some of these smaller local uh, events like this so that was definitely a highlight I think it was fun uh, with the music playing out in the court in the in the street here seeing some of the stormtroopers and cosplayers kind of dancing and what I saw barf from Spaceballs uh, doing a samba with some <laughs> which seemed appropriate uh, but yeah that was a highlight too how about you uh, I was going to say definitely seeing uh, artist Alley and getting a chance to interact with some folks that you maybe only interact with them on social media, but also it's like, oh, hey, I saw you at Celebration. Oh, hey, I saw you at C2. Uh, Jamie Snell, who came all the way from Columbus, and you go, wow, that's you know, not, not an easy hike, too. But then uh, we met up with uh, White Boba Fett. We did. Dan, yep, um, and then we met up with Megan from uh, Fanta Tracks, yes, and uh, it was sort of nice to go. Oh, hey, and it's just sort of a friend of a friend, uh, Josh from Consume the Can. So it's all one of those things like, hey, uh, previously a bunch of strangers, everybody got together, and it's just like a mini celebration where it's like, oh, hey, doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, you like Star Wars, great, we're in. Uh huh. Um, now, big question: you doing this next year? 
<laughs> uh, yeah, if you know what, if if it's in our if it's in a free weekend that we're uh, not in, still in school and whatnot, yeah, we'll be back for this because there's a lot of stuff we still didn't see. We didn't see the lightsaber uh, duels. We didn't see the carbon freezing uh, demonstration, um, and I'm sure there's other things that we didn't see that because we you know we were pretty hyper focused and, uh, and had some targets that we wanted to get and uh, we got those, um, but there's still some stuff that we missed. And you know what, I know that they do a great job here. There'll be a lot of new things next year too. And you don't really need an introduction, but if someone wants to interact with you online or, or what's your what's your shtick, how do they find you? Yeah, well, you can catch me uh, weekly on Coffee with Kenobi. Um, I do the news uh, for the show. And then um, we also do a weekly uh, Patreon show uh, called CWK Pour Over. That's where I'm on with uh, the Coffee with Kenobi founders, Corey Club and Dan Z. And we talk, we talk Star Wars, but we talk all sorts of other things there as well. Our D&D adventures, we'll talk Marvel, we'll talk pop culture, some other things there. Um, you can follow me on Twitter, at DraftLine. And uh, if you want to drop me a message, uh, it's Tom G at CoffeeWithKenobi.com. Tom, thank you very much for being here today. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. Well, there you have it. I think a pretty successful event. I was very happy. I wasn't quite sure, to be honest with you, what I was going to expect when I saw down there. You, you, you can only read the website so much and kind of get some pictures, but when you get down there and you go, man, this whole community was involved, streets were blocked off, the parade was great, a ton of cosplayers, great artist alley, got to meet some great people, find some great stories. I mean, I literally could have put the microphone in front of so many people and just said, hey, tell me your story. I know I missed a few opportunities to do so, and that's why I want to go back next year because I, I think it's just a great calendar event. There's a lot of great... Uh, causes that that you know it kind of brings the community together it raises awareness for the library Mikey Babinski had this autographed comic cover that he did the artwork for of Boba Fett and it was actually signed by Jeremy Bullock I think he'd mentioned it during the podcast he actually was able to raise $462 for St. Jude's so I think there was a lot of winners all the way around I was able to get some of those artist cards for Jolie at Star Wars Day, the exclusive ones I've kind of been telling you about, I didn't get all of them. There's still some I need. So the quest is definitely going to continue. But once again, I want to thank all my guests tonight. I wanted to thank Mikey Babinski for talking with me, Don West of Veteran Garage Props, Daniel Lowe of Fanthatrax and White Boba Fett on Twitter and Instagram, Megan Cullinan of Fanthatrax and SparkofHopePod.com, Tom Gross, of course, of Coffee with Kenobi, Josh Burling, Consuming the Canon. You guys helped make this a great episode. I had a blast. I hope we get to do this all again soon. And I think we also made some contacts. Hopefully we're going to be doing some more interviews coming up in June. I've got a laundry list of people I need to reach out to, try to schedule some. It's going to be exciting. I think we're going to have some great episodes down the road. But I'm going to cut this for tonight. We will see you again here on the Rebel Base Card Podcast. Thanks a lot. The music for this podcast is brought to you under a Creative Commons license from Trent Reznor and Nine Inch Nails. This is Discipline off the album The Slip. This podcast is not affiliated in any way with Topps, Disney, or Star Wars, nor is it endorsed by Disney or Lucasfilm, and is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All names and sounds and any other related items are properties of their respective trademarks and or copyright holders here in the U.S. and abroad. The official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com.